Welcome everyone, we are about to begin Be'ezra Sashem Feedback and Insight, share number 8, email account, shalombayis777 at gmail.com. We are going to continue the theme of last week's, or uh, last feedback, regarding respecting people's borders and respecting your spouse's borders and their privacy. And um, the first thing I want to just reiterate that it's very important um, not to lead a double life and to be as open with each other as possible, especially with things that are going on in the present life. We discussed in the past and we're going to discuss in the future that doesn't mean that you say Lashon Hara, doesn't mean that you breach confidentiality, doesn't mean you have to know everything about your wife or about your husband since the day they were born, and before that, and every thought and every emotion. We're going to talk in this uh, segment here about that's not the case, that's not healthy. But I, be, before we do that, I, again, you all um, have this ability in you. It's called having a nuanced uh, thought process, which means that sometimes you're going to hear a concept and its opposite, its opposite counterpart. And as you listen to the Shiurim and you daven for Siyata the Shmaya, you will learn how to balance and know when to use one concept and when to use the other concept, even though they seem opposites. So in this uh, upcoming segment, we're going to talk about respecting the privacy of your spouse. So before I start with that, you need to know the opposite of that too. And that is that ideally, in their present life, as they're interacting with each other, except for the situations of Lashon Hara or confidentiality or things like that, it is best to be open and honest as best as you can and share about what's going on with each other and not be overly secretive. But nevertheless, and keep that in mind even as I go through this, we're going to talk about the opposite side as well though now. And that is that very often a spouse, a husband, a wife had some things that took place before they were married or in the earlier years and they were married and it was in the, it's in the past already and they just keep it within them because they just can't get themselves to share it. And it's their private things that they're not comfortable to share with anyone in the world, and not even their husband, not even their wife. And that is okay. Not, not only is that okay, that is healthy. And sometimes, by the way, that over time you will find that if a husband and wife love each other dearly and treat each other respectfully, and never um, bash each other or, or ridicule each other about their weaknesses and their faults, you will see that very often, once the husband or the wife both develop a comfort level about their spouse, that, you know, they understand me, they're not judgmental, then they will share on their own things, secrets, or things that were on their mind and heart that they would never share before, and now they say, I feel safe to share it. But to pry it out of them, and to press them, and to push them about things that they don't want to reveal, or they don't want to talk about, especially if it's past, and it's not Negea now, that's not healthy. 
And a lot of these concepts, like I said before, is based on shiurim and writings of Rabbi Manus Friedman. And um, he says as follows. He says, many years ago, there lived a holy man who knew and had the ability to read other people's thoughts. One day, a student asked him, Rabbi, how can you say your prayers in public all around these people with all their unholy thoughts? Aren't you distracted from your prayers by knowing what's in their minds? They have trash in their minds, and isn't that disturbing your prayers? And the rabbi answered, When I was a child, my parents taught me not to look where I wasn't supposed to. Someone told me an interesting story, by the way. A fascinating story. There was a Rebetzin Sturmbach in the war in Switzerland. They used to um, work on saving uh, Jews in the Holocaust in Europe. And there was a big tzaddik that went along. I forgot the name of the person. A tzaddik that went along with her to various dignitaries in Switzerland to be able to, to plead with them to help the Jews get out of Nazi-occupied Europe. This tzaddik, this particular tzaddik, was such a tzaddik that he was able to see um, from looking at a person's uh, features and face whether you know what 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 he was. So when he they were suggested and they were going to go to a particular dignitary, a particular officer, she this tzaddik went with uh, Miss Sturmbach and. Um, Right away, he, you know, he said thank you, and he left. And he told Ms. Sternberg, I could tell from the way he looks, from his face, he's a Russia, and we're not going to get anything out of him. He's not going to help us. So Mrs. Sternberg was curious and said, if you could read features, so what do you see in mind? And um, he responded, to be honest with you, I have no idea. I never saw yours. He was in such a tzaddik that he knew, he felt, I could, you know, you know, this is a person that obviously could see way beyond what we could see. And nevertheless, because the Torah says, you know, like Sasuru, and he was careful with that to the extreme, he didn't look where he wasn't supposed to, so he never saw uh, her features to know where, uh, what her uh, stature was. So that's an interesting and very important concept that you have to respect another person's privacy as Kodesh Kadashim. If you try to peek into the curtain into somebody's private room in his heart, in his mind, you won't get closer to that person. You'll become estranged from the person. If the person's not ready or not willing to reveal that part of himself or herself to you, and you try to pry that curtain open, and you try to look into there, and forcefully do so, forcefully I mean, you know, even with words or however you do it, to try to push the person to tell you something that you see that they're not ready to tell, that's violating their privacy. You're trespassing. People don't look at it that way, but that's what you're doing. You're trespassing. You're destroying a boundary, and that breaks intimacy. So it's sort of an ironic thing that when a husband and wife, like I said, in their present life and as much as they can, they should be open with each other. 
But nevertheless, if something is not harmful, not to divulge, it's not something that's crucial in the present to tell one another. It's just something in the past or some aspect that, you know, that they just want to keep to themselves. By the fact that you want to push the person to tell your husband or your wife to tell you something that they don't want to share, that breaks intimacy. It doesn't create intimacy. And that's a very important thing. We see a concept like this even in halacha with Hezekiah. You're not supposed to look in, into your neighbor's courtyard from your window. That's an invasion of privacy. To gossip about somebody else, to make judgments about their behavior, you can't do that either because you're looking into an aspect of their existence that should not be open to your scrutiny. Hashem is telling you that's private. That's between them and Hashem. And we said this once before. That, you know, if you, when you're supposed to judge somebody favorably, you judge them favorably even if Hashem knows that the truth is that, not, that it's not favorable. But you judge him favorably anyway, because that's the what Hashem wants. And this Yisait, by the way, is also important when you have poor people knocking on your door, say, I'm hungry, I want some food, or even in, 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 in shul when people collect tzedakah, and, um, and again, I admit it, I sometimes rebel about this too, um, because there are people out there that should be working and aren't working, and they just, um, you know, go and try to collect money from someone else when they're very well-abled and they could have a job, and that is true, there are people like that, and Hashem knows who they are, and, but again, but when it comes to me personally, when I'm in shul and the guy comes by, I could choose to give only a quarter or a dollar or whatever and not give large amounts of money. But the idea of, in my head, crossing through my head, why, you know, get a job? You know, what are you, what are you asking for money for? That's an invasion of privacy. It took me a while to swallow that thought. You know, there's a separate ashkafa about those type of things of, when you're mechoyer to work out, but you don't know who this guy is. You don't know him from Adam. You don't know, have no idea. So you have a choice, you know. You give him a lot, you give him a little, you're not sure. But to make those judgments when you have no information, that's not uh, the way to go. So in marriage, it works even more so. It's our most intimate relationship. And the respect for the privacy is fundamental. Now again, that seems opposite of what people think because people think intimate intimate means we we know each other so deeply and so so we should share everything and you know even if i'm uncomfortable with it i have to give that and take it out of myself and pour it out to my husband or wife because otherwise you know there's a barrier but the opposite is true if a husband or a wife has something in them that they want to keep secret. And again, I'm not talking about a case where it affects their current marriage situation where they have to be open. I'm talking about something in the past or something that they're struggling with that they're not ready to talk about. So, and you can't push them. So they have a right and they have a need for that curtain that says, you're welcome into my life and we are sharing a lot but with certain things I'm not yet or I'm not or I will never be comfortable exposing this aspect about myself, 
and don't expect it. And by you respecting that border very often, by you respecting that, um, um, you know, privacy, actually, paradoxically, you become deeply connected with your husband or with your wife, and you become more intimate, and you become more connected and more as one. And it sounds like a paradox, but that's really what it is. And it's also important also, like that, is that you also cover up and you're loyal to your husband and to your wife. And the flaws that you see, that you know they have, that they're working on, but they still have it, you need to look away. You need to put that curtain up yourself. It's like Khalila, you know, someone's exposed, uh, exposed themselves or, or they lost their clothing and they're embarrassed, so you, you make sure you cover them or you put a curtain up so that they shouldn't be embarrassed, um, you know, being naked and exposed. And by you um, opening up that curtain to something, to an aspect of what your spouse still want, is not comfortable with, that's not healthy. That's sort of like a power struggle. You want to, it gives you an illusion of power where you, where you um, want to be more strong or powerful or more knowledgeable than another person. And the way they do that is they go into their private world and private life in places where they're really not welcome and they tear their masks off and they go and, you know, go through that and break their privacy, like tearing off a mask that, you're, that you put on you so that you could protect yourself. And that's very, very important. And the respecting of borders preserves the intimacy of marriage. It does not break the intimacy of marriage. As long as you have a healthy respect, and you're honest and open about the things that you're supposed to be honest and open about. And... Um, same thing also, we're going to learn later more deeply uh, in this topic, of what happens when the husband and wife have different levels of religious observances. One is more from than the other. One became more from than the other. One became less from. One became more from. And I'm not saying, and it's complicated. It is complicated. Um, you know, because sometimes you're dealing with real things like Shabbos and Kashas and serious stuff that really is a major issue. And we're going to get into that. But for the most part, in most of these cases, you're, you, you, you don't look at those faults or, or the fact that they're in different levels and you work with it. You work with it, you look the other way, and you do your best uh, to live in harmony and to work with each other and respect each other. And that is very, very important. And that shows that you really care. It shows that you have compassion. It shows that I want to protect you. You have certain things when you were younger, that you have um, things that are in you that's hurtful or you find shameful. You don't want to share it with me yet. That's understandable, or you don't never would want to share it with me. That's also understandable, and you let them be, and you uh, treasure it, 
And very often, down the road, they'll feel more comfortable with you and share it with you, like we said. So that is a big aside that's important in life, and it's important in a marriage to respect their borders. And that is what we talk about, what healthy friendship is about. Because again, a marriage has both aspects to it. It has the romantic, deeply becoming one, and the physically, you know, the physical connection, sexual connection of a marriage, which is very important. But then there is the friendship. It is like the, you know, in Shir Hashirim, you have different references between a husband and wife, and there's one called Achaisi, my sister. Now, again, a wife is not a sister. We understand that. Very big differences between the two. But nevertheless, believe it or not, and this is very true, there are certain things, yes, that they're in a husband and wife relationship that there needs to be the Achaisi to. There needs to be that sisterly love as well. Makes sense a lot in the Nida period when the physical and sexual aspects are not manifest then. Then certainly you have this achoisi, this friendship and this deep love that's a calm love. That's not a fiery love at that point. And that's the healthy thing to have in the Nida period. But even in the non-Nida period, even when they are physically available to each other and they have that uh, you know, close connection in that way, in an intimate way, there is still that achoisi that needs to be there too. That needs, that needs, there needs to be a um, friendship and a deep love that's calm as well. You need them both. And it's a paradox, but you need them both. So, Bekitzer, to cap this particular um, uh, feedback and insight share, there's a, on one hand, it's important to share each other's life, especially what's going on in the present, in a calm, non-threatening way as much as possible. And there's no question about that. But at the, on the opposite side of that, when you sense and you know that your husband or wife is very uncomfortable and does not want to share something with you yet or, or something in the past, and it's not impacting the marriage now, um, you know, and it's not something, you're not leading a double life. It's not like you're hiding something that's earth-shattering that you have to say. Then the opposite is true, in which it's very important to respect the borders of your husband and wife, allow them their privacy. Allow them their privacy. And the allowing of that privacy enhances intimacy. It does not break intimacy. Have a wonderful day.